What is happening, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to Backmarker Podcast. We've got a lot to talk about, so let's get right into it. Uh, first off, congratulations to Bezeki and Jorge and Fabio with the surprise third place uh, for winning the inaugural India GP. Um, not so much, a, <laughs> not so much. Congratulations to Peko um, for crashing on the race, but. I just want to thank him for making this championship all that much more exciting now that Jorge is only 13 points behind, I think he is. Um, yeah, that was that was a very circa 2022 uh, move from Peko, um, which is a little bit concerning because basically through half of the season, he really hasn't put a foot wrong. He He started to show us that he he's matured since last season. He's definitely deserving of that number one plate. Um, but obviously there's, there's been a couple of hiccups, Argentina, and now this race where we see the old Peco. Um, and Zoe does F1 made a great, um, has some great insight on this and, and great opinions on it. And that is, that Bez has a chance to win the title. Uh, he's got a legitimate chance. And the reason why he's got a legitimate chance is because if Jorge and Peko go at each other, he will be there to pick up the pieces, um, providing that Luca doesn't take him out again, um, at least in the GP race. He might be able to take him out in the in the sprint race, but definitely not in the GP. Um, but yeah, I... I can see, I think Jorge definitely has, is riding with a chip on his shoulder, which can, it's a double-edged sword. It can help a rider, you know, find that extra tenth or a half, half a tenth or a second, whatever you want to call it. It can help him find that much more pace, but at the same time, they, it can cause them to, to overdrive or override the bike or car. Um, and with Jorge, I think he's he's still a little bit too raw, um, which is one of the reasons why they chose Enea over him. And that's the other thing is I, I firmly believe that, that Jorge still thinks that he deserved to be in the factory seat and not Enea. Um, so that adds on to that chip that he's got on his shoulder. But... This it can all end in tears, basically, for for Jorge, or even Peko, um, because for the most part of the season he's he hasn't been the Peko of old. He's been consistent. He's he's not made made mistakes. Um, he's gotten pole after pole after pole after pole, and he's taken the points where he can get them. If if he doesn't have the winning bike, which was very rare. He wouldn't try to win with he wouldn't try to win win the race with a third place bike, basically, and that was his problem before is that he would try to win with a bike that didn't that that wasn't supposed to be there and he would crash out. Um, but this obviously at Bud he showed he showed his old self. So whether he's able to remind himself. Whether he learns from this mistake or not, we will we shall see. Um, but the fact that it happened so late in the season, um, especially after he crashed out um, 
and he's still on the mend is a little bit concerning. Um, but I also think that, that Jorge can help Pecco out just as much as he can hurt him. Um, so we, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, and then obviously the other big storyline from Bud is not just the, the pace of the Japanese bikes, but Mark Marquez. Um, Paulo Chibati with that with that huge bomb with that huge uh, bomb that he laid down um I think it was Saturday yeah, I think it was right before sprint right before the sprint race where he just basically said Grassini Grassini and Mark have they've been talking um and Grassini has kind of op- it sounds to me like Grassini's offered him the seat um and it's up to Mark whether he wants to take the seat now or take it a year later, um, which I think, and I think both are an option. But I also believe that Mark, as much as Simon and a lot of these people inside that know that have a lot more information um, than I do, and obviously this is going to sound a bit hypocritical, but I. You know, everyone inside MotoGP says, "Oh, he's a Honda through. He's a Honda man through and through." Blah 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 blah. That may be true, but I firmly believe that he wants to best Rossi in any way he can. He wants to be the best rider of all time. He wants to. He wants to set himself apart. He's not going to do that on a Honda. That that's just plain and simple. They. Obviously, a couple weeks ago, we talked about this. They brought the 2024 bike, and everyone said that it is not faster than the 2023 bike. Or let me... Mark said it wasn't any fast, wasn't any better. Um, the time showed it wasn't any better than the 2023 bike. Um, so they obviously have a lot of work to do during the offseason. And I don't think that the work that they have cut out for them is going to make the bike quicker quick enough to to battle for podiums by the start of the 20 uh, by the start of next season. I think you're looking at and this and this is depending on concessions. Um I think you're looking at maybe middle of the season, middle of next season or maybe towards the latter end of the season. Um if they get concessions, it'll probably be more towards the middle. Um if they don't get concessions, which I I honestly hope that they don't. Then we're looking at 2025, folks. That's I. That's just my my personal belief. Um, and I don't. I I would be shocked if Marquez. He's seeing what's going on at HRC. He's seeing what's going on with Ducati. He sees an open seat available, and with. Pooja's comment that they don't want to keep a, an unhappy writer. The writing's on the wall here, folks. I I would I'd be willing to bet that before before the before Japan before the J- Japan Grand Prix, Mark will come out and say that this year will be the last year that he'll be with HRC and he will sign with Grissini and FDG will be out. So it'll be basically Marquez Grissini Racing. Um, which which will be great because um, we've seen Alex Marquez. He's 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 a capable rider. 
and with his brother on there, that will be a tandem that will definitely it'll definitely create a power shift. Because um, the other thing too is with with Bez, he's on the, he's on a GP twenty he's on a GP twenty two bike. So, you know, just because you got the just because you got the latest machinery doesn't mean that you're the fastest. So, you know, he could. It, I I'm just going to go out there and say he will be on a Ducati next year, and he will be competing for for wins. Now, how he will get along with the culture in Ducati. That's going to be the big issue. Um, as we all know, Ducati, they are a very team-oriented organization. They don't, they don't play favorites. They, they don't issue team orders a whole lot. Um, unless there's something like Peko's title chances on the line. Um, and they have to worry about riders like Jorge or like a Mark that will try to um, ruin... Ruin another Ducati rider's title chances. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic will will work itself out. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to call it right now. Marquez is going to Mark Marquez is going to ride on ride for Gracini Racing next year. I'll be shocked if he stays with Honda. Um, who will, who will, how much is he going to have to pay to get out of the, out of that contract? That's going to be the only question. Um, and it may not even be him because there's been rumors that if he goes, all the sponsors will go, which, uh, I don't think Repsol will go with, with him. Obviously Red Bull will, um, Estrella Garcia will go with him, but I don't see Repsol leaving HRC. Um, that's that's just not going to happen. Um, but I can see two or th- at least two sponsors, maybe four sponsors, going with Mark over to Grissini, um, but not Repsol. Um, so yeah, um, just think, just looking over. Just kind of going over the the, the India GP race um, in my head, and the, oh, Fabio Quattararo with a surprise podium, um, good on him, um, and and also Juan Mir, you know, all these Japanese bikes save for Mark, you know, especially Fabio and especially Juan, they both deserve this, the the finishes that they that they earned. Um, it's been a tough year for Mir more so than it has been Fabio, but it's it's nice to see Fabio getting a podium, seeing him smile again, um, be happy, even though it may just kind of be superficial um, joy because <laughs> he still has to go. You know he can't be racing at Bud for the rest for the rest of the year, um, but it, it was nice seeing it was nice seeing the parody um, on the grid. You know not just to. Co- not just having Ducati's finish first, second, third, fourth, and fifth, um, and maybe a KTM thrown in there. And speaking of KTM, Jack Miller, man, he was nowhere to be found. You know, let me just go ahead. I tried looking up. I, I did. 
I did a little news search. Nothing came up. Um, and you know what? Here we go. So this is courtesy of Motorcycle Sports. And credit to staff writers. <laughs> There's nobody attributed to them. Um, but yeah, so Miller also highlighted some challenges he faced during the race. He struggled with grip throughout, which is no surprise because he can't make the rear tires last. And it was insanely hot um, in India, which we will get to in a little bit. Um, but the grip level seemed to have decreased from the sprint race, causing a lack of confidence in his riding. Um, and obviously the grip has been reoccurring. Holy shit, this is turning into a fucking paywall. Um, yeah, I'm just going to get out of here. There's, Jesus. Um, but yeah, I, I expected Miller to struggle, but I don't think we expect him to struggle that much. Um, and the heat was so... Obviously, everyone knew about the heat. Everyone saw what happened to Jorge um, in in the podium in, in the podium pen, um, which you know I'm going to chalk it up to Jorge not being properly hydrated um, because we didn't see any any other riders um, faint, at least that we know of. Um, definitely didn't see any other riders pull in and need to be absolutely doused with water. Um, but hopefully Dorna, hopefully Dorna changes, changes the date for India next year, um, to something that's a little bit less hot. Um, because this, you know, the riders already have a tough enough time handling, handling heat riding behind, Riding behind another each other, they don't need this 105, 110 degree heat index with stupid thick air, hot air to inhale and satur- be saturated in. Um, but I, I really want to see, I really want to see them come back to India. Hopefully, the government, the Indian government, gets the visa squared away, um, even though. They had 10 years to get it squared away and they still, and they didn't do it um, because F1 had the same problems when they were raced, when they tried to race in India for three years before they finally said, fuck it, I'm out. Um, but all in all, this the the race course, the, the race in, in and of itself was awesome. It was great. The track looked great. Um, the fans, hopefully they'll show up a little bit more next year. Um it was it was quite interesting to see the overhead shots um, all throughout the weekend, except for race day, um, where it just showed a whole bunch of grass and not a whole lot of spectators. Um, I think that MotoGP said that claimed that there was 100, 111,000 people that came through there over the race weekend. Um, I don't believe that. I'll just be honest, but there's no there's no way we can. There's no way to pr- prove or disprove it, um, but hopefully, hopefully everything, hopefully the logistics and everything outside the race gets squared away, um, and we can and we can keep racing at Bud because that 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 is an awesome track. Everyone that has said that the track is awesome, it's just the heat and the weather just, that just make it extremely brutal for the riders. Um, 
So, yeah. Um, let's move on to the Japanese Grand Prix. Um, got a little bit to talk about, and it's kind of been... <sighs> I've got a few things to, to 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 get off my chest and talk about. So let's get let's get the first thing out of the way. Um, Logan Sargent, I don't think I don't think he's going to be an F one next year. Um, and again, I was talking with Zoe about this. He's just he's making too many mistakes, and um, he's not. He, He's not making up for those mistakes. Um, and normally with a driver, you know, if they crash out a lot or if they crash out, you know, you expect them to try to, <laughs> you expect them to try to at least cancel that out or make up for it. Um, and he's just not doing it. And the crash that he had in qualifying was very, very um, atypical. Um, I don't recall ever seeing an onboard from a crash where, the driver was on the throttle for almost the entire time. Um, not only that, but he upshifted while he was counter steering it. So that to me, that just to me, it looks like he's not learning from his mistakes, and he is still struggling to try to um, figure out how to drive the car. And maybe before the cost cap era, he may have had another year. Um, to figure this out, but um, the F1 TV broadcast, uh, the F1 TV team made a good point. And they go, and and it is that in the cost cap era, the accidents go against that cost cap. So if you have a driver that's making too many accidents, that's costing the, the team too much money, they can't make, they can't put that money towards the development of next year's car. And that's one of the re- that's the main reason why um, Haas dropped Mick Schumacher because of how much they how much he was costing a team that was all, already struggling for 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 revenue. Um, obviously, with Williams, they're not they're in a different situation. They're not that much better. Um, but when you have um, an investment company as, as your an investment company that owns a team, you have a little bit more. You, you the checkbook is a little bit bigger. You have a little bit more money to play with. You have a little bit more patience. Um, maybe a maybe a little bit, maybe a small amount, a little bit, maybe a little bit of a lot. Um, but yeah, I as much as as much as I want to see an American in F one, at least. At least American influence, not just with tracks, but either with a team, uh, team personnel, or a team would would be awesome, or a driver. As much as I want to see them in there, I don't want to. I don't want to see people in there just you know, at, out of pity, um, or you know, as as the token American. Um, so yeah, I I fully expect. Sergeant to be um, to be gone in F one after next year. Um, next subject I want to talk about is obviously the issue with 
George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. Um, the F1, F1 social media can be a very toxic place, um, especially when you involve either Max and or Lewis as the hot button topic. Um, so I'm, I'm not even going to go, go into the whole, to what people on social media are saying, um, because a lot, a lot of it is bullshit. Um, but Lewis is starting to show his old self again and not in a good way. Um, he forced Russell off the track, which was a very dirty move, um, in my opinion. And then obviously with, with George asking asking the team to have Lewis stay behind him so they can keep Carlos behind him, um, basically use Carlos's trick against him, um, and Lewis come out and basically saying that it never was going to work, I don't understand it, blah, 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 blah. Um, it may not have worked, but it may have been able to work. We don't know. But the fact that he overtook him and then didn't even didn't even didn't even let George stay within DRS range of him is another is another strike on on him being a team player in my opinion. Um, and obviously Lewis has a, a a very big history or a very long history of just looking out for himself, even when the team asks him not to. Um, the only difference is, in my opinion, that George has a higher ceiling than any of his other former teammates, um, at least in Mercedes. Um, Nico, Nico, and Valter, Nico and Valter, Valtteri, Valtteri was never going to be. Valtteri was never going to contend with Lewis. He was brought in to be a solid number two driver, which he was. Um, he was a great number two driver. Nico, on the other hand, he had aspirations that were not going, nine times out of ten, were not going to match um, his abilities. Obviously, he's a world champion, so that can't be discounted. But he's a world champion. His world, when he won the world title, Lewis had a lot of DNFs and mechanical failures, which was, which is not typical Mercedes at all. Um, so, you know, you can take that for what it's worth. Um, but yeah, I just, seeing, seeing this kind of racing, seeing Lewis go back to his old self, it, it's good and it's not good. It's not good because he will alienate. He he'll basically do the same thing that Max is doing at Red Bull. He will alienate that team and the garage. He will he will divide that garage, um, and he'll divide it even more because obviously Toto is going to take Lewis's side more times than not. Um, at least, at least in the in public, um, but. The the issue that I and I hope Toto will 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 talk to both of them. The issue that I think Lewis needs to realize is that George 
George can win. George is definitely going to win races. Whether he wins the title or not remains to be seen. Um, but he is the heir apparent in Mercedes. And I think it will be very wise for Toto to make sure that Lewis sees a bigger picture. Um, because the last thing that they want to do is drive George away and have him go to Red Bull or Ferrari um, or Aston Martin or McLaren um, just because he got tired of Lewis's bullshit. Um, but if this keeps up, I wouldn't blame George one bit. You know, there's only so much money that will make up for <laughs> that'll cancel out the bullshit and the toxic culture. Um, as Checo is finding out, finding that out now. Um, and speaking of Checo, <laughs> um, little, it, it's, it's getting really hard to, to point the finger at the team in regards to his struggles when he has races like, when he has races like today or yesterday. Um, because those, those were just, those were moves that in all honesty, I would expect someone like Logan Sargent to make or, um, Guan Yu Zhou or, or Yuki Sonoda or Liam Lawson, basically someone who has not been an F1 that long. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't know. Um, Checo just needs to get his mind right. Whether that whether that means, you know, taking a day or two off, recalibrating, going back to South America, <laughs> um, whatever. Um, yeah, I just he just can't be making those. He he just can't continue to make those kind of mistakes, man. That's just that's just really bad. Um, and the fact that they still won the constructors' title, um, even with even with his DNF, um, just kind of speaks towards the um, not not just towards the superiority of the of that car, but also to the lack of teeth that um, the wind tunnel penalty has. Um, but that's a topic for another podcast. Um, Yeah, I'm just I'm getting tired. I'm I'm a little bit more tired than I usually am at this at this time of morning. Um, oh, so yeah. Before I forget, the Alpha Tauri roster. Um, congrats to Yuki Sonoda and Daniel Ricardo for having a seat for next year, um, and also good on Red Bull for. Um, Reportedly, reportedly, uh, guaranteeing Liam Lawson an F1 seat for 2025. Um, because he's definitely more than earned that right. Um, you know, the, the kid is absolutely fucking amazing. And oh, speaking, speaking of, um, well, I'll get to, I'll get to that after this, after this, if I can remember it. But, um, I'm a little surprised that they kept Yuki. Um, personally, I would have, I would have put Liam 
in Yuki's spot and see if Yuki would have wanted to be the reserve driver. Um, if not, just let him go entirely. Um, but, you know, it's having Liam Lawson secured for, for 2024 and guaranteeing him a seat for 2025. I don't think he's really going to go anywhere unless um, unless someone else comes along like Mercedes or or uh, Ferrari. Um, they come along and throw a bunch more money at him. And even then, he may not even take it because of where Red Bull is at. But also, you have to look at... I'm just thinking about this out loud and just realizing it. You have the new car coming in for 2026. So basically, um, you know, he's going to sign probably a multi-year deal uh, for 2025 with Red Bull. And that's going to be a very big um, leap. (laughs) He's going to be taking a lot of risks in assuming that um, Red Bull is going to either maintain maintain their stranglehold on having the or on being the best team in Formula One or at least competing um with whoever is going to be at the top, which is probably going to be Mercedes, but who knows? Um but yeah, it's you know there there's really no losers. Everyone wins in that situation. Everyone wins. Um so yeah. And then speaking of, of young, talented drivers, congratulations and kudos to Oscar Piastri um, for, get, for getting that podium and also qualifying on the front row. Um, obviously, he, he it didn't take him long to justify uh, Zach Brown and McLaren signing him on a multi-year uh, extension. Um, you know, the kids... He's he's definitely he's definitely more mature. Um, he he's mentally more mature than 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 he is, which is good. Um, and he definitely sounds like he's he's hungry to to be the best. Which, um, at least in terms of being able to to control that and not. <sighs> trying to find the right word to say you know it, just how he talks is he's very hard on he's very hard on himself um and wants to always fu- and is has that kind of perfectionist um mindset and as long as he he channels that on himself <laughs> and doesn't and doesn't let it and doesn't let it stray to other people um that that will only um, help the team out. Um, don't know if that makes sense. I'm thinking about what I just said, and I'm not sure. And it, I'm kind of even slightly confused. But like I said, I'm getting, I'm, I'm a little tired. Um, so, yeah. On that note, um, I think I'm going to end this podcast. Um, so next. Oh, shit. Let's see. Yeah, next week we are at Japan at Twin Ring Motegi for MotoGP, and I think Formula One is off. I think they go to Vegas. Um, Let me see here.
No. Oh, wow. Jesus, that's going to be brutal. So the, so we are at Qatar in a couple of weeks at Lozale. Um, and then we go to... Then we go to Coda. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> so next week, we'll hopefully we'll be talking about uh, Mark going to Grassini and whatever happens at Twin Ring Motegi. So until then, stay safe and I'll catch you on the flip side.